How many of y'all know that naming babies has actually become a business? Naming babies has actually become a business. You got books, you got websites, you can even purchase specific apps designed to help parents name their babies. It's crazy. And when choosing a name for their child, many parents look at names with significant meaning or perhaps a name of a respected family member in their ancestry. For example, uh, Cheyenne and Jordan named their daughter Presley Mary. Mary is the name of a special grandmother, and Presley is a name that Sindel helped them find, and yes, Sindel is an Elvis fan. Amen? We're thankful for that. Uh, our Madison and her husband Carmen named their daughter Iris Ray. Iris was a name that Carmen had heard, and the name Iris means rainbow. And Iris was Madison and Carmen's rainbow baby after they struggled through a miscarriage in their first pregnancy. Uh, Ray is Madison's middle name and also the name of Papa Ray. And so while always we think that, man, we just hope that our children live up to their name. Uh, I want to tell you something this morning. God always does. He always lives up to his name. A couple of weeks ago, I'm teaching in my life group. I'm standing there doing what I'm supposed to do. And out of the blue, little Ruby Thomas, named after her great-great-aunt, by the way, comes right up to me and kisses me right on the leg, turns around and walks off. Y'all, I don't think that I've ever felt that love before in my life. It was crazy. You know, when we hear or experience a child or a grandchild say, I love you without any ulterior motive, man, it just may be the greatest feeling ever. And you know what? I think that God probably feels the same way. I think God really likes it when we come to him to just declare, Father, I love you. And I don't even want anything from you right now. I just love you. Friends, in this final installment of our Knowing God series, we kind of go back to where we started. And that is reestablishing that God is worthy of our worship. You see, you can only worship someone who you love. And you can only love someone that you know. And that's why we embarked on this journey of knowing God so that we can love him and show our love for him the way that he deserves. Now, to know God is to love him and to love God is to worship him. And I believe that the heart of worship is celebration. Every time we come to this place, every time that we gather together here at Bethel on the Lord's Day, it should be to celebrate not only the existence of God, it should also be to celebrate the personal presence of the Lord in our lives. You ought to be celebrating today. One thing is for sure, those Old Testament worshipers, buddy, they knew how to celebrate. And often in the course of their worship celebrations, they would add a special name 
to God's proper name. Now, God's proper name in the Old Testament was Yahweh. It's spelled in the Greek Y-H-W-H. Four letters. And the only pronunciation of that word that has no vowels is this. Do that with me. Yahweh. God is the very breath of his children. So these Old Testament worshipers would prepare for their celebration by adding a special name to Yahweh. It's Jehovah in the English, by the way. But they did that not to help them remember something that God had done but to do something that God was known for doing. Today, your message is going to be a little bit different. It's going to be a bit interactive, so you're going to have to work with me. Somebody say amen. Good. Because today I'm going to share with you several special Hebrew names for God which reveal a special aspect of God's character in our lives. So when I ask you to repeat a name, I want you to repeat it loud, and I want you to repeat it with boldness. The first one is Yahweh-Rohi. Say it. That means the Lord is my shepherd. This name, it comes from the first verse of the beloved 23rd Psalm. And if you're familiar with that Psalm, you can just read it along with me. But in Psalm 23, verse 1, that King David wrote, he writes, The Lord is my shepherd, Yahweh-Rohi. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you, Yahweh-Rohi, are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You see, friend, when we first meet David, he's out tending his father's sheep. And then the prophet Samuel comes to daddy's house. Because he's looking for the next king of the nation of Israel. And he meets all of David's brothers. But Samuel still hasn't found the king. And so Samuel sends for the youngest boy, David, who's out there tending sheep. And lo and behold, David comes in and Samuel anoints him as the next king of Israel. So you see... When David wrote Psalm 23, he knew how to be a shepherd. When he wrote Psalm 23, he knew what it meant to, meant to be a shepherd who protected his sheep. He knew what it meant to be a shepherd, one who protected the flock. And as he recognized God's care in his life, as God re he recognized God's protection in his life, you know what he did? He celebrated. He worshipped 
Yahweh Rohi, the Lord is my shepherd. Friend, can I tell you that we too ought to be worshiping Yahweh Rohi who personally protects you, who personally cares for you. His name is Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd and I lay down my sheep, my life for the sheep. Yahweh Rohi. Now the second one is Yahweh Jireh. Say that with me. Yahweh Jireh, that means the Lord is my provider. And that name first appears in Genesis 22, in verse 14, in the story where Abraham nearly kills his long-awaited son, Isaac. We can't even imagine a father doing that to his son. But the only way you can understand what Abraham was thinking that day is to look forward into the New Testament and see in Hebrews chapter 11, in verse 17, what this author says about Abraham. In verse 17, it says, By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he had, who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, in Isaac, your seed shall be called. Concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. You see, friend, because God had promised that Isaac was going to bless the nation. Abraham just figured, well, if God wants me to kill him, then God will raise him up from the dead too. I got no problem with that. So, lo and behold, just as Abraham is about to plunge the knife into Isaac's body, God intervenes. And he provides a ram to be sacrificed instead. So then, Isaac gets up off the altar. And Abraham and Isaac together celebrate and worship Jehovah Jireh, Yahweh Jireh, the Lord who is my provider. You see, we too worship Yahweh Jireh. We too worship him who personally provides all that we need. And Jesus tells you, listen, I know you're heavy laden. I know you got big burdens. I know you're laboring hard. But if you'll come to me. I will give you rest. He is the provider. A third name. Third way that the Hebrews celebrated. The Lord their God Yahweh. Is Yahweh Rapha. Say it with me. Yahweh Rapha. That means the Lord is my healer. Now in Exodus chapter 15. God's people had just crossed the Red Sea. On dry ground. They had witnessed incredible miracles of the power of God. But now, they're on the other side of the sea, and they've run out of food. Now they're on the other side of the sea, and they don't have any more of the water that they brought out of Egypt. And so, finally, they come upon this, this oasis named Mara, And the water there, it wasn't fit to drink. I mean, it was nasty, y'all. And so the Israelites cry out to God. Oh, they begin to complain bitterly about how God has brought them out of Egypt into a hostile and barren environment. And then God told Moses to take that branch that was beside that water and throw it into the, into the water. And the water would be made fit 
for drinking. It was at Mora, friend, that Moses obeyed, the water changed, and the needs of the people were met. God then told Moses that this whole incident at Mara was a test. God was testing the faith of his people. He said, if my people will walk in obedience to me, if they'll keep my laws, I will keep them from experiencing any of those diseases that I had put on the Egyptians. And then Moses began to celebrate when God called him and said, I am Yahweh Rapha, the Lord who heals you. Friend, every week you and I come into this church house with a prayer list. And we don't bring this prayer list to a team of doctors who treat symptoms. No, we bring our prayer list to Yahweh Rapha, who is our healer. The only one who can personally do what only he can do. Friend, I want to tell you, Jesus is Yahweh Rapha. He's the one who heals us from the most awful cancer known to man, sin. He is our healer indeed. The fourth name that the Hebrews used to celebrate the Lord our God is Yahweh Nissi. Say that with me. Y'all nailing it, man. That means the Lord is my banner. A short while after this Mara experience, God's people cross into the land of the Amalekites. Now, the Amalekites, they don't want a couple of million Israelites trespassing onto their land. And so they declare war and prepare for battle. Moses sends his commander, Joshua, to defend God's people. Meanwhile, Moses takes his brother, Aaron, and a friend named Hur, and they go up to the top of the mountain to watch the battle. Well, it turns out as long as Moses lifted his hands in prayer to the Lord, Israel was winning the battle. But whenever Moses got weary, when he got tired of praying, and his arms would come down, then the Amalekites would prevail in battle. So Aaron and Hur had this bright idea. You get on one side, I'll get on the other. And we'll hold up Moses' arms so that he can continue in prayer. And they did so. Until Israel won the battle. As a result, the Amalekites were defeated. And Moses celebrates the victory by building this altar. And he calls this altar Yahweh Nissi. The Lord is my banner. Now, you're probably thinking that a banner is kind of like a flag. But it's not a flag at all. It's more of a, uh, the altar was more of a rallying point. It was the place where all the people of God came together to worship the Lord. It was that place where they all gathered together in their times of need. So listen, as Moses celebrated the Lord as his banner, as the Lord was celebrated as a conqueror providing victory for his people, we too can worship Yahweh Nissi, the one around whom we gather for victory. You see, in 1 John 5, 4, John wrote that Jesus gives us victory. He gives us victory that has overcome the world, namely our faith, our faith in him. So we serve and we worship Yahweh Nissi. Now, the fifth one that the Hebrews used was Yahweh Mekadesh. Say that with me. 
Very good. The Lord is my holiness. Now, one of the greatest challenges to trying to read the entire Bible is to discern and decipher those hard-to-read-through books like Leviticus. Anybody ever tried that one before? Reading or studying through Leviticus? But you know, Leviticus is pretty important. Because the primary subject of Leviticus is the holiness of God. And that's very, very important. In Leviticus 20 and verse 7, we find that the worship of our holy God must always be done in a reverent way. Do you see how that speaks to you and I? We ought to be worshiping our holy God in a very reverent way. But here's what those verses say. God told Moses, consecrate yourselves. In other words, get ready, guys. You're getting ready to worship God. Consecrate yourselves. Set yourselves apart for the Lord. Can I tell you, that's exactly what we ought to do every Sunday. Is consecrate ourselves. Set ourselves apart to worship the Lord our God. And be holy. Moses said. For I am the Lord your God. And you shall keep my statutes and perform them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Another translation of Yahweh Mekadesh is I am the Lord who makes you holy. You see, we have to acknowledge, friend, that we all fail, don't we? We all fall drastically short of the holiness of God. But because of Jesus, because of the sacrifice of Jesus, we worship Yahweh Mekadesh because he's the one who cleanses us from our sin. He is the one, friend, who makes us holy in the sight of God. We have to worship and celebrate that. It's amazing. Christ has the power. To remove your sins. Christ has the power to replace your sins with his holiness. If you will just trust in him. Yahweh Mekadesh. Now the sixth way that the Hebrews celebrated Yahweh. Was using the term Yahweh Shalom. Say that with me. Yahweh. Anybody know what that might be? The Lord is my peace because he's a personal God. Amen. He's my peace. This name comes from an account of the leader of Israel named Gideon. At a time when God's people were basically just doing what was right in their own eyes. That had to be a real sight, huh? They were doing what was right in their own eyes. They would repeat this cycle that kept them in hot water with God. He was always struggling with them. Here's what would happen. God's people would turn away from God. Then God would turn them over to their enemies. They would cry out to God. And then God would rescue them by sending a judge, a deliverer. And then they would pledge faithfulness to the Lord forevermore. But you know what would happen next? They'd get right back into that same cycle of sin all over again. Is that not crazy? To be spared and delivered from your enemies. Only to go right back into that cycle of sin? Well, before you get too high and mighty, how many times has that happened in your life? Think about it. How many times have you gotten in hot water with God? 
you prayed and you said, Lord, get me out of this and I'll never go back. And then you get a little bit of relief. And it seems like the minute you get the relief, the process starts where you start doing the very thing that got you into hot water to begin with. We all do it. Well, one of these deliverers, judges, was Gideon. And I told you a few weeks ago about what he did when God called him. Gideon tried to hide from God. Well, finally, Gideon gets straight and God uses him. Listen to this. Gideon uses him to defeat a huge army of 120,000 Amalekites and Midianites. All with a very little bitty army. Maybe you've heard of Gideon's 300. 300 members of God's army completely annihilate 120,000 of the enemy. Anyway, it was only after Gideon had in this encounter with Yahweh Shalom, the Lord is my peace, that he was able to accept his calling as a deliverer. And I'll bet you that Gideon loved Psalm 94, verse 19, that says, In the multitude of my anxieties within me, your comforts delight my soul. That should speak to us today. In the multitude of my anxieties within me, your comforts delight my soul. You see, we also worship Yahweh Shalom. We worship the Lord who is our peace. Because, friend, it was on the cross that Jesus made peace between God and man. Jesus said, I, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, my peace. And we do worship Yahweh Shalom. Number seven is Yahweh Sidkenu. Say it with me. Yahweh. Y'all are good. That means the Lord is my righteousness. My righteousness. Now this name is based on a celebration of God found in Jeremiah 23. See, during this time, the wicked nation of Babylon was ravaging the city of Jerusalem. But that ravaging was all God's discipline on his own people. God will discipline his own people. Why? Because he loves us. Amen. I fear this for the United States, that if we don't turn back to God, we're going to get some discipline, and maybe we need it. But when Jeremiah is called by God, we're told that, we're told that God said to Jeremiah, listen, son, don't you lose heart. Don't you lose heart when they don't listen to your message of repentance. Don't you lose heart when they don't listen to your, your message of judgment. But he was still depressed. Nobody was listening to him. And right there in the midst of Jeremiah's depression, God revealed himself in a new way to Jeremiah. Here's what he said. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. And in his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell safely. Now this is his name by which he will be called Yahweh Sidkenu. The Lord is our righteousness. Friend, I am so grateful to be able to tell you today that the Lord is your righteousness. You know why? Because you don't have none of your own. The Bible says clearly, none are righteous, no, not 
No, not one. None of them are. We're all unrighteous people. And right there in the middle of Jeremiah's depression, right in the middle of all that sin and destruction, God showed Jeremiah that the day was coming. The day was coming when a ruler would establish righteousness once and for all. And his name was Yahweh Sidkenu, a.k.a. Jesus Christ. Amen. In the New Testament, we're told in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that he, God, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We might become and experience the blessing of Yahweh Sidkenu. Friend, I want to tell you right now, we too can worship. We too can celebrate Yahweh Sidkenu because Jesus Christ has personally become your righteousness. You don't have to worry about it that you don't have none. Jesus, the righteous one, is your righteousness. And he becomes yours when you place your faith in him. Now I've got one more that I'd like to share with you. And that's Yahweh Shama. Say it with me. Just think. Yahweh is hearing you say all these names today. And he hears you when you say, Yahweh Shama, the Lord, he is there. This last name appears in the very last verse of Ezekiel 48. After Babylon has completely besieged and plundered Jerusalem, many of the Jews were taken captive by Babylon. And this prophet Ezekiel was one of them. And after God had shown Ezekiel that the glory of God would be taken away from Jerusalem, when he told, Jer or when he told Ezekiel that ultimately Jerusalem was going to be destroyed. Why? Because the people wouldn't listen. His people wouldn't listen. But God also showed Ezekiel something spectacular. God showed Ezekiel a vision of the new Jerusalem. The new Jerusalem that God was going to build. It was going to be a magnificent city that made that huge city of Jerusalem look like Anderson, Alabama. It was going to be magnificent. And the name of that city was Yahweh Shammah. The Lord is there. And I wondered, where's this city going to be? Well, where's the Lord? In heaven. Amen. It's going to be in heaven because the Lord is there. Amen. And that's going to be the name of the new Jerusalem. So in closing, I want us to take another look, if you would. To Psalm 23. If you take a look at that in your Bibles again. I want to point out all these names that we've talked about this morning. And they're all wrapped up right there in Psalm 23. Let's begin. The Lord is my shepherd. Yahweh Rohi. I shall not want because he is Yahweh Jireh. The Lord is my provider. He makes me to lie down in green pastures because he is Yahweh Shalom. The Lord is my peace. He restores my soul because he's Yahweh Rapha. The Lord is my healer. 
He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake because he is Yahweh Sidkenu. The Lord is my righteousness. For you are with me, Yahweh Shammah. The Lord is there. In the presence of my enemies, you are Yahweh Nissi. The Lord is my banner, my victory, my conqueror. And you anoint my head with oil. Because you are Yahweh Makadesh. The Lord is my holiness. Friends, we have so many reasons to worship and celebrate Breathing the name of Yahweh all day, every day should be your practice. But you can't have a personal God without personal accountability to that God. I just got to tell you, friend, that Yahweh is crazy in love with you. He's crazy in love with you. So I invite you to celebrate Yahweh, to breathe the name of Yahweh throughout your days. Will you come? Will you accept all that Yahweh wants you to have? Namely, what he offers you. He offers you protection. Yahweh Rohi. He offers you provision. Yahweh Jireh. He offers you peace, Yahweh Shalom. Friend, he offers you healing, Yahweh Rapha. He offers you righteousness, Yahweh Sidkenu. He offers you victory, Yahweh Nissi. Friend, he offers you holiness, Yahweh Makadesh. But more than any of those things that he offers to his children is he offers you heaven. He offers you heaven through faith in his only son, Jesus Christ. You may say, Bill, I think the Lord's given up on me. You don't understand where I've been and what I've done. It's too late for me. And I want to tell you, don't you dare underestimate the power of Yahweh. To make a difference in the life of a sinner. Friend, if there's a decision you need to make today. Whether it be in your worship and celebration of Yahweh, the Lord our God. Or to come into a relationship with him for the first time. Why not use this day, this celebratory atmosphere that the word of God has created. Why don't you use this atmosphere to give yourself to the Lord. And begin that relationship. That's my prayer for you. What is your prayer for you? Let's pray.